0: Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is that time of the week where we do our series on the words of Jesus. We call this our our Red Word series, and if you have a red letter edition Bible, it would be all the words in red in your Bible. And my guest today is Dr. Ian Paul, and I was just talking to him before the start of the show, and we realized we have not chatted in about a year, so I have missed him, and I'm so glad to have him back uh, you That's can learn. Great to
1: be here, Bill. Thank you. I've, I've, I've missed being with you guys I, as well.
0: So, I so appreciate that. You know, Ian, I go to your your blog all the time, um, oh. and I want to talk about that a little bit. But I am yeah. so aware of the content that you provide and the work you do on your website, the interviews you do, because I listen to a lot of them, and oh, I, yeah. I know yeah, yeah. how in demand you are for your time. So yeah. I have a deeper appreciation that uh, you know you're six hours ahead of us. And we're mm-hmm. we're doing this early afternoon, so I don't keep you up too late. But <laughs> I, I realize now you're giving an hour of your time, and you even had you haven't even had your dinner yet. So no, I haven't. I'm postponing. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. It's good motivation for me. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And I know, as early evening comes around, it's time to be w- with your wife or to uh, take Barney for a walk. But I understand uh, that'll take a couple of days before he gets. Um, yeah, he's got four. a leg injury so yeah. we, we we both have. He's come out in sympathy with me. <laughs> so I I
1: pulled pull my hamstring on my right leg and he's yeah. done something to his right knee so, uh, well, so uh, we're we're, did, we're in sympathy. How did you know.
0: pull your hamstring?
1: Oh, well I I'd like to tell people Bill that I was doing a a, a nighttime Sponsored climb of Kilimanjaro, you know, <laughs> trying to break the records. But in fact, I was in my garden cutting my grass. Okay. that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, I, that's how it happens. I just caught my foot in a little bit. I got a little fence panel that holds the daisies off the grass, and I caught my foot in and went over. And you know, you get to an age in life where just tripping over <laughs> while you're cutting the grass, you end
0: up with a serious injury. So, <laughs> <laughs> or people have back injuries you're reaching for the remote control. You go, how that Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. So, exactly. So. Yeah.
0: But Bill, thanks for the comment about my blog because
1: I mean, the things we're going to be talking about come out of. Some articles i've written and uh and it's just been really interesting to see the lord's hand on that because the reason i started the blog in the first place was in 2012 i i literally know sometimes people say i have a word for you and what they mean is a sentence or a paragraph mm-hmm. or a whole say that i had she had a word from the lord it was not quite like skywriting, but almost like that that vivid and it was just a single word which was right w-r-i-t-e right write. And it really I just sensed God was calling me to a new direction of ministry. I laid down responsibilities. I eventually left the teaching role I was in, and part of writing was investing in this in, in the in the the blog the website and I usually published two or three articles a week there and then the other interesting thing was I really felt the Lord saying very clearly to me that i I should be every week writing on the the sets. Uh, reading gospel reading for the week so some churches some of your listeners may know that some churches use a thing called the the lectionary so it's a shared pattern of readings over three years where you work through gospels and you work through letters and old testament texts as well and uh, it was very a very clear word from the Lord to say, you should be writing about this every week. So I've, I've been doing that for three and a half years now. And now you, you, because it's a three-year cycle, we're repeating it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then this beginning of this year, again, I just felt the Lord nudge me and say, look, you need to be doing something in a different format. So I now every week have a half-hour discussion with a very good friend of mine, James. I, I know. Uh, he, I, I watch many of them. You, you've met him. You've met him. Yeah, oh, you know, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we, we 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 know each other well. We were both best men for each other's weddings. And we studied theology together, so and we've been, you know, doing stuff around the place for thirty years or so. And uh, I, I think people enjoy the fact we have a little bit of banter, but we focus really on on the text and dis- and discovering what it is that God's saying to us through the words of Scripture. And we've just loved it. We've we've really enjoyed it. So we started doing that in January. So we're you know wanting to get the the YouTube stats up. So if people want to go and have a look at that, some people prefer to read the articles, some mm-hmm. people uh, hear the conversation. So we're really trying to just sort
0: of engage with different ways for people to learn. Well, and if James is such a good friend, he might pull a hamstring as well. <laughs> well, maybe I I I
1: for his sake, I hope he <laughs> keeps the
0: actually. So Yeah. yeah. So yeah. let's uh say the easiest way to get to your website um is Ian Paul and just Google it and it'll take you right yeah. to it because Safizo is a little bit of a harder it word is. to remember and spell. Uh it is. It is. and I think it, if people now would advise me to say find something simpler, but everyone knows it now, so that's That's true. That's true. And uh, explain what that word means and how you came oh, to that it's a conclusion. Good biblical word, yeah, it is. It's a good biblical word. Uh, my one of my main interests in scripture is the
1: book of Revelation, and the, the verb "sephizo" in Greek comes in Revelation thirteen eighteen, the notorious verse which says, "Calculate the number of the beast." And the word means to calculate. But interestingly, it also is used in the sense of work count the cost count the cost of things so jesus says you know if 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 someone builds a tower they sit down first and work out where they can do it so if you want to be my disciple you need to know how much it's going to cost but there's an, another two senses of it as well um one is working things out and uh my my firm conviction is that despite the fact that scripture has so many different forms and, and it's a it's a huge sort of library of stuff actually the message of scripture makes sense so if we i suppose one of my aims in the right writing is to Help people to 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 make work it out to to make so, so they can see that it makes sense so that it that, that it really does count. And the final sense, the modern in modern Greek, the word because because the word actually sefizo comes from the Greek noun sephos, meaning a pebble. Mm-hmm. So you you'd use pebbles to count things out and do sums, but you'd also use pebbles to cast your vote in elections. And nowadays in uh, modern elections in 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 Greece. Uh, they were they, they use that word sephidzo to mean to cast your vote so it also means that look when we when we make sense of scripture and we understand the message we hear what jesus is calling us to we don't just work it out it's not just an intellectual intellectual exercise we we, we then have to make a decision we have to say are we going to vote for jesus are we going to put our lives on the line are we going to follow him mm-hmm. so all those things sort of belong together that's and it's such a multifaceted word and that's mm-hmm. i think why
0: Yeah, and Ian, the reasons you're one of my favorite guests, but also one of my favorite thinkers, and I want to encourage everyone to go and look up uh, Ian's blog, is your background and the synergy that you bring from your background makes Mm. your mind really interesting when it comes to studying Scripture. So I'm so glad we had this hour together. Uh, You come from a a mathematics background, and you also... I do, Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah, and originally I was going to do a PhD in uh, in, in mathematics, in, in, in encryption theory, Uh, But I felt God was calling me into ministry. So I studied theology rather than going on with that. And I ended up doing a PhD on the book of Revelation and how to interpret the Bible. But it it was really interesting when I was being when I was being interviewed for doing my Theology PhD, the, the retired professor said, well, of course, you're at a disadvantage because theology needs a bit of an artistic touch. <laughs> and I said, no, I think what theology needs is a bit more clear thinking. Amen. And You know, uh, and uh, sifting out the dross from the, the, the really valuable stuff. And he, yeah. he wasn't too impressed
0: with that, but that certainly might be my experience. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I like it. So being an expert on revelations, when you are teaching it, what percentage of people say, uh, the revelation revelation kind of confuses me and, and scares me a little bit. And then how many people – what percentage says, oh, it's my favorite part? Well, I have the same experience when I talk to people about math. Well, you call, you say
1: math. We say maths in plural in here. Um, and it's usually in the room about 95% say, oh, no, don't do that to me. And then there's a little group in the corner. So <laughs> – hey, it's my favorite book. And they go, yeah. And then same with math. There's always a 5% in the quarter going, hey, it's my favorite subject. When I last did it, great experience. I I, um, was speaking at a church in in Birmingham, not Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham, UK. And uh, I asked the question, the guy at the back said, oh, yeah, it's my favorite book. Uh, He was a chef and he was an atheist, but he really fancied this girl and she was a Christian and she uh, wouldn't go out with him until he came to church. And so he said, well, I I thought I better read the Bible and find out what church is like before I go. And then he picked up a Bible and said, wow, it's a really big book. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll do what you do with a novel. I'll just turn to the end and see how it all works out. <laughs> so he turned to the re- Revelation and he, he read it and he got to Revelation 21 and this amazing, beautiful picture of what it means to be with God forever. And then he read, but outside were the cowards and the liars. And he said, that's me. That's wow. me. He said, I don't want to be outside. So he came to faith. He married the girl, and they went off to Turkey and planted churches for 20 years as an evangelist.
0: What a spectacular story. It is. It's amazing. Yeah, it it really is amazing. All right, Uh, I've lost track of time. I don't even know where we are on the show right now. But uh, Really, it's just been really nice to catch up with you and just remind my listeners of your background and your blog. Dr. Ian Paul, again, is my guest, and you can learn more about him at uh, just Googling Ian Paul. It'll take you right to his website. Um, But I know today we're going to jump into the fourth chapter of Mark. And I love this passage, so I'm mm. excited to learn what I'm going to learn. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I love this. Um, I, one of the things I've just been really blessed
1: by is for these last three and a half years or so has been just immersing every week in in depth in some of the gospel passages. And uh, I just I just find myself when I look at commentaries, when we have the conversation with James, I, I'm constantly learning new stuff and i particularly like mark's version of things but we'll dip into matthew and luke as well because they have they they all have this passage it's the it's the parable of the well people call it the parable of the sower but it's mm-hmm. really about the 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 soils and i just at the very beginning i love just mark's introduction so he he paints a very vivid picture he says uh, jesus began to teach by the sea uh, this is said uh, as the sea of galilee it 's not really a sea actually it 's just a lake, but the the gospels called it a sea. Very large crowd gathered about him. This is really fascinating. You always find in the gospels we 've been working through Luke and Luke makes a real point of this that you have the the ones close to Jesus, the disciples. you have these opponents, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. But in the middle, always you have this these large crowds and, and on the one hand it 's just fascinating to notice that jesus teaching draws the crowds people. See something in him, they find, you know, really attractive and compelling. But they're always in the middle; they haven't yet made a decision. And so, in a sense, the gospel narratives are always saying they're kind of implicitly asking us the question: Where are you? Where are you? You know, which group are you with? Are, are you committed yet? Are you in the crowd? Are you kind of overhearing things? And again, very often in the gospels, Jesus teaches the disciples, and then you realise that the crowds are kind of listening in; they're kind of overhearing at times as well. So they've got to make the decision: Are they going to? Are they going to pay the price? Are they going to take up their cross? Are they going to follow Jesus as the, as the disciples have done? And, and then I love the fact that uh, Mark tells us that because the crowd was pressing in, he got into a boat and he sat on it in the sea. Now, that's a natural thing to do in the ancient world. If you're a teacher, you'd normally sit to teach. I, I prefer standing to teach because I sort of throw my arms around and jump around and <laughs> move around and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but in, the, in the ancient world, you sit to teach. And that's why we have cathedrals. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, <laughs> because of the cathedral. So the the cathedral is the seat and that was where the bishop sits to teach. So that's mm-hmm. how you have that's how you have a cathedral. So he's sitting in this boat and it's such a vivid little picture. And in fact, if you go to Israel, there's a little bay called Sower's Bay because it actually functions perfectly. the The, the curve of the bay is like an auditorium. And you can imagine you can just picture the crowd sitting mm-hmm. there. And the last time I went there on a study tour, one of the people leading the tour, they actually took the shoes and socks off and they they waded into the water. So they're out in the water like Jesus had been in the boat and they spoke. And it was amazing how clearly you could hear. Wow. So it was a, it was a perfect. So he paints this, this wonderful picture. And then we get the, the parable of the sower. And there are just so many fascinating things about this in terms of Jesus che- teaching, cho- choosing to teach this way and the disciples reaction and then. You know, what are the crowd going to do? It's just really
0: fascinating. Oh, I can't wait. Dr. Ian Paul is my guest. We're studying uh, Mark chapter four. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue the parable of the soil. We'll be right back. I'm back with Dr. Ian Paul. You can learn more about him and discover his blog at, at uh, just Google Ian Paul, P A U L, and it'll take you right to his website. We're discussing Mark chapter 4 today on our Red Word series, The Words of Jesus. And before we jump back into this, Ian, would you say that mm. one of the problems today with church, and I've got a lot of really bright Bible students that listen to this, uh, this program, mm. But mm. for 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 much of the church, or for some of it, I can't decide what I want to commit to. Here is we are not taking the scriptures as seriously as we need to.
1: It is, and um, I think that's partly about um, a loss of commitment to really really have confidence in in the scriptures on the one hand, uh, and I think also sometimes the way that we we um, engage with scripture on the other. Um, I'm I'll I'll, I'll, you won't be surprised I'll go back to the book of Revelation it's very striking Revelation 1 (laughs) verse 3 (laughs) sorry about that that's all right Revelation 1 verse 3 you know John says blessed is the one who reads and blessed are those plural who hear and keep the words and so he's telling us that the social context of reading the scriptures is the community and I think for some churches where where I am around here um, the church is major on experience so when people are preaching they've got to they've got to perform well and they've got to give people a good experience uh for others they really focus on the scriptures but they kind of go through them line by line and it's a bit of an intellectual exercise and i think both of those um approaches fail to take seriously scripture as uh uh, offering us a sense of experiential connection with god uh, i think it's actually possible to preach about the scriptures and be rooted in the scriptures but do it in a way which brings the scriptures alive mm. and helps people to sort of encounter god afresh oh, so, so the experiential and the intellectual i think should should belong together and i and i always say to people when i'm i, I, I used to teach a preaching course at the college i was at and i'm i'm kidding to do that i said so that actually if you go further into the scriptures and if you do that right Actually, you'll connect with people's experience because, you know, this is an act of communication. These are these are these are real folk. How how did we ever make make reading and studying or listening to the teaching of Jesus boring? Nobody nobody thought it was boring at the time.
0: Oh, so true. <laughs> so. so true. All right. We're uh, in Mark chapter four. Dr. Ian Paul is my, my guest. Let's continue uh, on the parable of the soils, as you like mm. to say it is instead of the parable of the sower. Yeah.
1: It is, and I will come to re- the reason why that is, because there's this sort of interaction between the sower and the soils. But there's actually something really fascinating about what this parable is doing. And Mark, unlike Luke and Matthew, Mark actually places it kind of at the head of a whole block of teaching of Jesus. So Matthew does that another way. He has the, the, the Sermon on the Mount to introduce Jesus as a teacher. But what's really fascinating about that is that on the one hand, Mark is recording Jesus telling a parable. On the other hand, Mark is explaining about Jesus's ministry through this parable. So Jesus is talking about a sower who goes out to sow and he sows the seed. But of course, actually, he is the sower. Mm-hmm. And actually in telling the parable, he's actually he's actually sowing the seed because the seed <laughs> love it. The seed is the word and he is and the parable is the word. So it's kind of like um, uh, what's the word, the, the that mathematical thing, the Mandelbrot set where it's all self-referential. So it, it, it's a it's a parable which is a parable about parables. Uh, And the parable is actually in telling the parable, Jesus is actually enacting the contents of the parable. So it kind of sets the agenda for Jesus's teaching ministry. And of course, what's really interesting out of it is uh, how the disciples react. And again, just sort of contrasting with something like the book of revelation or contrasting with, you know, near the ends of the gospels in, in Mark 13 and in Matthew 24, where Jesus starts using all this apocalyptic language and says, you know, the 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 sun will be dark and the moon will turn to blood and the stars will fall from heaven. Now, my experience is when we tell the parable of the sower, I think most contemporary readers and listeners, they go, oh, that's kind of a cute story. You know, we can picture that and. You know, it's great for Sunday school with the kids. You know, you can draw a little picture of a sow and you can get different kinds of seeds and you can draw pictures of the different soils and so on. And we, we kind of think it's a kind of cutesy story and we think it's really interesting and, and, and we think it's really straightforward. And then we get to the stuff about the sun and the moon and the stars and everything. And we go, oh, my goodness, what on earth is Jesus talking about? Now, what's fascinating in the Gospels is that the disciples reaction is exactly the opposite. So when Jesus says the sun's going to be dark and the moon turned to blood, the disciples all go, Well, yes, we know all about that. <laughs> we we understand you know, you don't need to explain that, Jesus. That passage has no explanation because they are rooted in that apocalyptic worldview that comes out of the Old Testament and which they were they were expecting. You see, we, what we don't recognize is is when Jesus says right at the very beginning of the gospel, the, uh, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, that is end of the world kind of language they're all going wow the apocalyptic moment is coming upon us now so they're kind of expecting it but then when it gets to this parable jesus is, jesus teaches the parable when he's alone the disciples go what are you talking about jesus <laughs> we have we have no idea you're, you're talking about a sow? Well, we, we you know we know about sowing and seeds. There's people around us on the hillside who are sowing stuff, but we've got no clue what you're talking about. And it's just a reminder that the first hearers of Jesus are, are coming with a different agenda and different experiences. And sometimes it, it's, it's hard for us when we've already decided what passages are going to mean, and it dulls our sort of sense of encounter, and, and it's quite hard to actually hear the stories
0: afresh. So I, I just find that a really fascinating challenge and a contrast. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ian Paul is my guest. We are in Mark chapter four. All right, Ian, can we can we dig into the, the four yeah. soils? Because I think uh, right yeah. about now we can get started and get a couple done before the break. Uh, so yeah. let, let's start with the, uh, the seed that fell along the path and the birds just came and ate it.
1: Yeah. Now, again, a couple of really striking things about this first is that Jesus teaches in progression. So we get the first seed where kind of nothing happens. It gets snatched away. Then you get the second seed, which falls on the the rocky ground. We just need to be a bit of aware of our sort of context issues. So rocky ground doesn't mean that uh, it's full of rocks. It means that it, it's on a it's thin soil mm-hmm. on a on, on a bedrock. So it doesn't have any depth. So it springs up but not much happens. And then you get the third soil, the third seed, third kind of soil where the the seed springs up and actually grows some way and then is choked. And then you've got the final um, seed where it falls into good soil and produces grain. So just something interesting to notice. Part of the reason why Jesus teaching is so memorable here is it often has a really clear structure to it. And you find reposition and you find progression. And that's what makes it so memorable. And then we, we look at actually what's going on here. Well, this is interesting. The sower is sowing. Is, is so, so someone is busy actually doing the good work of proclaiming the word. But at every stage, we find that there's a battle. There's opposition. Mm so that we actually have to guard what we're doing. So this isn't, this isn't a question of just going around in the world and doing what God calls us to do and just letting it all happen. Actually, we need to recognize that at every stage there is opposition. So Satan comes and snatches the word away before it has a chance to root, that's the the birds. Um, persecution comes uh, for the sea that's on the rocky, gro- rocky ground. It hasn't got a deep root and it withers when the sun comes up, when times get difficult. And this is a what I find again fascinating is this is a repeated theme in Jesus's teaching um, that um, all the way through the Gospels we find that actually if you're going to follow Jesus you will experience difficulty you will experience opposition you will experience suffering you know in Mark chapter 10 where uh, he Jesus has told the rich young ruler to give away all his possessions and come follow him and Peter complains and says well look at us we we've, we've left our livelihood and he said Jesus says yes and you'll receive Uh, houses, mothers and brothers and sisters. He's talking about the community of faith there. And it'll be great blessing. And with it, he just throws in persecutions. (laughs) So, you -hmm. know, just, of course, of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I love the fact that when Paul goes on his first missionary journey in Acts 14, Luke summarizes his message as this. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Uh, This is part and parcel. I I don't know. I don't, I've not been to a church, but didn't interesting to try that, wouldn't it? You, you can imagine a billboard outside saying, you know, come and listen to our pastor preach and you'll really discover what suffering is like.
0: <laughs> I like <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, isn't it fascinating that actually the, the, the message, the evangelistic message that Paul brings is come and enter the kingdom and you will suffer for right. it. Amazing. And actually that, that draws people.
0: Yeah, totally. They know it's serious. They know it's a serious, serious business. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a little break. Dr. Ian Paul is my guest and continue our series on the words of Jesus. We are in Mark chapter four. And if you missed any of this so far, trust me, you got to, you have to go to myfaithradio.com. Check out the podcast right from the very beginning. Uh, if you want to learn more about Dr. Ian Paul, you can just uh, Google Ian Paul and you t- it'll take you right to his website. We'll take a break and be right back. back to the show. Dr. Ian Paul is my guest as we are in our Red Word series. So, the words of Jesus, and we are in Mark chapter 4. We're talking about the parable of the sower, or we can refer to it as the parable of the soils. And Ian, I want to continue just going through these, mm. if you don't mind, a little bit more, because yep. I think we got yep. a lot more to cover. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we've looked at the the way that there's a progression and the seed. The first seed doesn't get going. The second seed begins to get going. But the persecution comes. The third seed gets going and seems to be really well established as a plant. And then these other things in the world, the other distractions, you know, the cost of ongoing discipleship strangles this and, and, and it, it actually doesn't bear fruit. Now, again, interesting that the language of bearing fruit there means multiplication. So, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples in John's gospel, he says, you know, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. I I think quite often we feel that's kind of like with the fruit of the Spirit in Paul, it's qualities. But it's actually, I think, in scripture more to do with. Actually living the life of the spirit in a way that other people are drawn to faith as well. That's that's the obvious meaning. So, you know, the end of the parable, he says the the other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain growing up a, a, and increasing and yielding 30 fold, 60 fold and 100 fold. And and of course, if 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 the grain grows into a, a stalk of wheat and then it produces seed, produces fruit that's then more grain and that'll then fall into the ground again and uh, it'll grow and so on. And so there's multiplication. And of course, actually through the new Testament, that is the story when we read through acts. So Luke's second half of his account, where you just get these repeated, repeated refrains. Interestingly, he says this, the word grew by which he mean more and more people came to faith. So the natural thing, if, if we, if we hear what God has said, if we receive what he said, Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you get the same refrain in the book of Revelation at the end of each of the messages. uh, That if we if we hear and take seriously what Jesus has to say to us, then we will grow into maturity. And as we grow into maturity, we, too, will bear fruit. So others will also discover about the grace of God. They'll hear the word from us. So uh, I mentioned at the beginning that the funny thing about this parable is that it's actually the parable itself is doing what the parable is talking about. So. Jesus telling the parable is the sower who is sowing the word and the content of the parable is the word as well as being a description of the word. And then it has a third kind of dimension to it as well because you see he's teaching the disciples. They then themselves are sent out by him with the message of the kingdom, and they become sowers in their turn. And this is a kind of a picture, this cascading picture that, you know, as we hear Jesus' word, as we let it bear fruit in our lives, we then become people who share that word with others, and they then become sowers as they come to faith, as they have fruitful lives in turn. So it just keeps going.
0: Ian, I'm going to look back at the four different uh, soils Hmm. when you see that the seed um, on rocky places where it did not have much soil— and the third seed where when the sun came up the plants were scorched it yeah. seems that in sec- the second soil and the third soil there was ger- germination there was new life yeah and but then the uh there was not enough soil and yeah. then the sun came and and yeah. scorched and withered so is that a picture of a, a lot of christians that are sort of have come to a, a new life in christ but then not much happens after that. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting question. And I think
1: there's a sense in which in asking that question, we're not asking the question that Jesus is answering here. Um, and so, you know, one of the big questions is, can we lose our salvation? And that's been something that Christians have debated. Um, I don't think that this parable gives us a definitive answer to that. But one thing it does say is that uh, it's, you need to start out, but actually it's finishing well. That counts, Mm -hmm. and and we find that same kind of language in Paul, where Paul says, you know, I beat my body, I discipline myself, I keep going, I keep on keeping on, so that he says, having brought life to others, I may not myself be disqualified. And I guess for those of us who are longer in the tooth in terms of our faith, the the the, I particularly find it's the third seed is the one that really challenges me because I recognise that when I was younger, when I was a new Christian, and I didn't have house and family and all that kind of stuff, it was much more easy to be radical for Jesus in, in discipleship and following him. And I've become aware as I've got older that it's much more easy to be comfortable and, and, and less radical. So it's been it was important for me that, you know, in 2013, when I heard that word from God, I quit my job and I, I started out on something which was uncertain. And, you know, I have to be open to hearing what, what is God calling me to do next, because, um, that that continuing to be fruitful, and continuing to be open to him, and to continue to to hear what he is saying to me, uh, is really important because I it's it's about keeping on, keeping on. It's about
0: you know following through to the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I was asking the question about about salvation. Uh, did the soils two and three lose their salvation? It, as much as it was, maybe somebody came to faith as a young person um, yeah. and they. They never really got into God's word. Yeah. They they yeah. prayed, yeah. they loved God, they talked about yeah. God, and yeah. but they didn't really grow in His word. No, no, and it's a, it's really key. And and I would say alongside
1: that, it's key to grow in His word, and it's key to. To become part of a, a community as well, which is reading scripture well together. I am, I've just yeah. um, one one of the thing one of the, my my other roles is I um, I help um, manage a small publishing company called Grove Books Limited and uh, and I also write them. I'm, I've, so, I've written quite a few of them. And over the summer, um, I wrote a booklet on evangelical spirituality, and I and I I set out the idea that there are seven things that we do in order to exercise our faith. We, we change, we turn towards Jesus, we, we read, we, we soak in the scriptures, we gather together, we gather with others, and we also pray and we fast and we, we give testimony and we serve. So there's a sort of set cluster of seven things. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I actually put it in the order. We change, and then when we change, we gather, we, we meet with the community because Jesus never calls us to repentance on our own. He always calls us away from whatever direction we're heading in, and he calls us to join with the community of followers of Him, I think it's really significant that the, the the primary metaphor that Jesus uses, that all the New Testament writers use for the people of, of for faith, is brother and sister. We're now part of a new family, and I think that that going that going deep into the Word and being part of fellowship, those two things belong together because so often. It's others who encourage us and hold us accountable. It's others who help us get into the word. And, and, and so we look at it together because it's a, a gift for the whole people of God.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about the Bereans because y- you hear that often. Yeah. Well, like, be, be like the Bereans and yeah. take what you and hear best. and then go examine it against the scriptures. But yeah. then I think Absolutely. of the Berean Jews. Uh, they did not go home to their personal uh, copy of the holy scriptures in their house. They, they read it together. They had to, they had to yeah, gather it together, Absolutely. didn't they?
1: Absolutely, and we, we need to read. we need each other, um, you know the, on the one hand, God speaks to us through scripture, but on the other hand, we also need to recognize that there are some challenging things in the scriptures as well and, and, and that script, the scripture well for a start, we need someone who knows Greek and Hebrew to translate it before we can read it in our own language, so we actually need each other and we need the different
0: insights so that we can. You know, really hear what God is saying to us through his, through His Word. Mm-hmm. So, when you read in verse eight, still other seed, uh, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, yeah. grew, and produced a crop. Some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, it seems that for some people who come to faith and they're they're mm-hmm. trying to serve the Lord, that they're not getting that return. Um, they'd like to. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think the. Um, the, the, there's a couple of really interesting things about this this metaphor, which is that, you know, actually Jesus uses Jesus often talks about economics, but he often talks about these sort of agrarian metaphors as well. And of course, actually, when you think about it, it's a bit weird because soils can't choose what kind of soil they are, mm. and yet the parable is inviting us to make a decision to be fruitful. But on the other hand, so in a sense, one is Jesus is only teaching certain things out of this analogy. But but the the key thing he's saying is look. Uh, if you're receptive, like the good soil, then actually life will come, growth growth will come. And I'm reminded again of what Paul says in Corinthians. He says, you know, I sowed Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of things that come out of that. One is I've been really fascinated by the parallel version in Luke's gospel in Luke 8, Luke 8, 15, where he actually expresses Jesus' words in slightly different terms because he's writing for a more primarily Gentile audience. So they're much more rooted in issues around the Roman Empire and that kind of culture. And he says says this, he quotes Jesus this way. He says, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, there's two fascinating things about that phraseology. So first of all, this phrase, a noble and a good heart, is a phrase in Greek, kalos kai agathos. Now again, you you can look that up online. Kalos kaiagathos, which means kind of um attractive on the one hand, but kind of noble of character on the other. This was a phrase that was used by the, the 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 most noble, the exemplars in society, the great leaders, the great generals, the people you'd really respect. And what Luke is saying is that, you know, if you want to have respect in culture, the way isn't through Winning a battle or being a, a politician, having power, oppressing other people—actually, it's by receiving the word. So he, he's challenging his own culture there and saying, "Do you know what? It's actually receiving, retaining the word that 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 is going to make you the kind of person that people admire and want and want to recognize." And the second thing he says, he says, "By perseverance, produce a crop." Now, the word he uses there, hupomone, means. Uh, endurance through persecution and it's the word that again john uses at the beginning of revelation he says i'm your brother in tribulation and in kingdom and in patient endurance so again it's kind of apocalyptic language we're, we're in a battle here we're in conflict mm-hmm. god wants to bring fruit but there's an enemy satan and he's determined to spoil that so we actually need to recognize that god will will, will, will develop this character in us as we stick with
0: him steadfastly through thick and thin, through the good and through the tough times as well. Mm-hmm. Ian, when in verse nine, it says, then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them yeah. hear. Uh, does that, is that making a reference to those who are believers versus those who are not? Yes, it is. It's the, it's the ch- that, by the way, some people
1: think there's a pun there because you have ears of wheat and we have ears. <laughs> no there. There, there is actually no pun in Greek. So it doesn't, that doesn't work. But yeah, it is about listening and, and, uh, this is again a fascinating part of the parables the, the The disciples say to him, "Jesus, why are you teaching in parables?" and he quotes this very strange thing from Isaiah. Where Isaiah said, or God says to Isaiah that you know, they, may, they may indeed see but not perceive, they may hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And again, this is another challenging thing about Jesus' ministry. We kind of think that you know, if we want people to come to faith, what we need to do is get a megaphone and we need to shout at them loudly and make it as plain as possible and warn them everything. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is kind of teasing people because the explanation of the sower is only given and the soils is only given to the disciples not to the crowds oh interesting so so Jesus is actually saying folks there's something here let me give you a little taster of it and then he'll walk away and he will see who's interested who, 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 who's going to respond? And I, I guess I find this as a reflection as well in my relationships with folk who haven't yet come to faith is say, well, I'll pray for you. I'll say something for, to you. And, but it's not my job to kind of beat them over the head with it. In the end, God, God will, you know, God will stir something up in their hearts. And it's for me to be alert and saying, well, who, who has ears to hear who is going to respond to the message? And sometimes I think we need to say, well, we actually need to leave. We need to sow the seed but we we need to leave it to God and we need to see who God is drawing and who's been stirred up with this, who has spiritual hunger and is going to respond to this message. And there's a little bit later on in Mark 4 which really uh,
0: teases that out in a most fascinating way. Well, we'll get back to that when we return. Dr. Ian Paul is my guest. We are in the uh, words of Jesus. We are in Mark chapter 4. If you just joined us, you're going to want to hear all of this from the beginning. You can do that at myfaithradio.com to learn more about Dr. Ian Paul. Head over to Ian Paul. Google that. It'll take you right to his website, which is safitzo.com. Be right back. Always appreciate getting a chance to talk to Dr. Ian Paul, and he is nice enough to make time for us today, and we're in the uh, fourth chapter of Mark as we talk about the words of Jesus. And, Ian, I want to get back to something you were teasing Mm. out right before the break. You didn't give me enough information Mm. to re-ask the question, but where were you going to take us?
1: (laughs) Well, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a tease there, so make sure people come back after the break. So
0: I appreciate that. Uh,
1: I I just want to jump on. So we go down... um, to uh, after Jesus has given the explanation of the parable, and then we get a little series of of other short parables, some of them along the same line. So in Mark 4, 21, and he said to them, talks about a lamp being brought and not put under a basket, but put on a stand. Uh, and he said to them, verse 24, pay attention with the measure you measure will be measured to you. Again, this is really memorable stuff. You know, Jesus is having these little summary sayings, which we can uh, we, we, which we won't forget. Uh, to him who has more, more will be given to one who is not even what he has will be taken away. Then verse 26, he says this. this I find this really, really fascinating. And I, I find it fascinating because on the one hand, it's using very similar language to the first, the, par- the original parable of the soils. On the other hand, it seems to be saying something quite different, something intentional. He goes like this. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter the seed on the ground. So you've the, got like the sower sowing the seed. He uses the same word, throwing the seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. Now, that's a very Jewish language because whereas we tend to say day and night, in, Jew- in Jewish counting of the days, they count night first and then day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how, and the earth produces it all by itself. Now, this is this is, Bill, this is one of my favorite words in the New Testament, which I know is a bit odd, but it, and it might seem a bit obscure, but the word here is automate, from which we get automatic. Uh, I know you guys in the States always drive automatic cars. You don't have a shift stick for changing gear um, because the car does it by itself. So I, th- I find this really fascinating. So uh, the Earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain, uh, full grain in the ear. And when the grain is right, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, that's, again, apocalyptic language. Language of harvest is about the end times and about judgment and so on. But this word automatos, it only comes here and one other place in the New Testament, which is in Acts 12, where Peter is miraculously released from prison. And Luke tells us the gates opened all by the gate opened all by itself. And what I find, this comes back, I think, maybe answering the question you raised before about people saying, well, what happens if I don't see results? What happens if I don't see fruit in the, in the first parable? Then it all comes down to is the soil going to sow the seed? Is the soil going to be receptive? You know what's going to happen? We don't know. It's uncertain. And it seems to say that it depends on human action and initiative mm-hmm. so jesus has to send the disciples out to sow. otherwise how, how are people going to hear if the, if the seed isn't sown and and we're not going to get fruit if people don't respond so there is a challenge there to make to, to respond and make a decision so it focuses on the human but this one it seems to me focuses on god um and and actually by god's grace his word his that that seed is going to produce fruit So it reminds me again of that uh, passage in uh, Isaiah, where Isaiah said, God says, you know, my word will just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven. And again, using a sort of agrarian image, and they do not return until they water the earth. So my word won't return to me empty, but will achieve everything that I have for it. And and I guess, you know, for any of us who are saying, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm seeing the fruit in my life. I'm not seeing friends come to faith. Mm -hmm. It's an encouragement to say, look, Okay, at one level, yes, it is down to you. (laughs) Maybe there's things you can learn. Uh, You can learn how to be effective in sharing faith. But on the other hand, it actually ultimately is down to God. God is faithful, and God is the one who brings life. So actually, it seems to me that frees us from anxiety and thinking it all depends on us. Actually, we need to look to God. And, you know, he's faithful. When he speaks his word, it
0: will bear fruit. Okay, Ian, that is really interesting, and I've never heard that before, and we get Oh. We're getting that out of uh, verse 28. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, because the, the the earth produces by,
1: And what's really fascinating in this parable is that the farmer is mystified. <laughs> so he, <serves laughs> <the seed>. mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he puts it in the soil. He covers it up. And then he just goes away and sleeps. He doesn't do any work. And then he comes back a couple of weeks later and wow. Hey, presto, there's a plant there. <laughs> he hasn't done anything to produce it. All he did was sow the seed and is amazed what came back. Um, now, I've got an experience of that from real life. And I've also had experience of that from, as it were, the spiritual life. So, Bill, I don't know if you're a gardener, whether you do grow stuff. I don't, stuff. Ian. OK. Uh, no, I know it's, you are. It is. And it's a good spiritual exercise because I have this experience all the time. I, 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 I get lettuce seeds. Lettuce seeds are really, really small. And I scatter them on a on a little seed tray. And then these little plants grow up and I plant them out and then. You know, in a couple of weeks time, I've got my lunch. (laughs) <laughs> I, I go outside and I, and I get my lettuce. I've got like free lunch. Where did this come from? It came from these tiny little seeds. It's, a, it's an amazing gift of God. And I, and I think one of the things, particularly in our, our, our technological world, just connecting ourselves back with saying, where does our food come from? And you recognize that A, it's a mystery and B, it's a it's a gift. It comes as a gift from God because you can't you can't make lettuce grow. All you can do is you can sow the seed and see what happens. But I also have this more expir- spiritual, my spiritual life, too. I see the same thing. So. There was just an example of a guy when i was at i was at university i was at college i used to row and uh and one of the guys i rode with i i'd share about my faith i didn't know what was happening in his life and i, I just felt i ought to pray for him and uh when we we lost contact it was the days before facebook and all that we lost contact i prayed for him every month for five years and after about five years i kind of gave up and i thought well lord i don't know what's happened here but I'll, I'll i'll leave that to you five years after that we met up again turned out he'd come to faith <laughs> He was done an Alpha course, and he was now a leader in a leader in his church. So it's an example of you know, God. We 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 sow, other people water, but God gives the growth. And I think it's uh, just a reminder that in the end, both in real life, but also in our spiritual lives, that the fruit that we see, yes, there's stuff for us to do. We need to respond, but actually. All this good stuff that comes comes purely as a gift of God. It's it's, it's pure grace, and I, that's why I find this this little parable here is just uh just a really really fascinating one, and it's a really good one as a complement to the parable of the
0: the soils and the sower. Mm-hmm. Ian, when you had that conversation with your friend, did you tell mm. him? Oh, by the way, yeah, I prayed I did. for you. Once a month for five I years? I did. I
1: did. And and he was just bowled over. <laughs> so he was amazed. And the other thing I find that really fascinating, I and mean, we, we had our, our drive relayed and, uh, uh, and the guy who was in charge of the company, we, I, just had a, I just felt the Lord saying, you need to say something to him. And I just asked him about his business. And he talked about the fact that he really wants to run his business with integrity. So they grew the business, not by borrowing money, but by earning money and then investing. And he was clearly a guy who wanted to do a good job. And I just said to him, I just feel God saying to you, God has prospered your business. He's honoring what you're doing. And he, was, he, was, he said, you know, I've always wondered why our business has gone so well. It's been a real surprise to me. It's kind of like come as a, as, as a gift. And uh, and I just said, you know, could I pray for you? He's had some health issues, and I and I I prayed for him. This is a guy. He's a builder. You know, he's not an emotional guy. But I I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for him and offered God's blessing. And literally, he burst into tears. Mm. And and because when we offer, when we pass on the word that God's given to us, and when we when we, it comes to us as gift and we give it to others as gift, then I just find it's amazing. People are people are so moved. And he just sent me a text letter saying. You know, I'm really, moved. I'm really touched. Thank you so much for your hospitality, and uh, that this, the, all this stuff comes as pure gift, and that's why I love this little parable, and I love that little word automate, automatos. Oh, I, that, I love that that. It, it, it.
0: It comes from God. It comes as a gift from Him. I, I love that too. So, when you got a calling uh to leave your job, mm. uh let's yeah. go back to that moment if we can, because we only yeah. have a couple of minutes left, and I'm curious yeah. as to. What had you say, yes, I am going to follow the Lord in this, uh, this calling and I'm, industry, now I've got to break this news uh, to my family and then yeah. go on from there? Yeah.
1: Well, again, it was um, a real sense of gift. I mean, I, I'm married to a, a, a family practitioner, a doctor, so um, it wasn't as big a financial risk as mm-hmm. it might have been in other situations. Um, but again, it, I just sensed it was such a gift because I, I heard this word from God with certainty. And um, in fact, when it came to leaving my post uh, teaching theology, it, it just so that, I won't go into details now, but it just so happened that my wife realized. And so when I came to say to her, I think this is what God is calling us to. She already knew. She said, I know. <laughs> oh, that's fun. And we'll just we'll, we'll just we'll just do it. And that was just such a blessing and such an encouragement to me that uh, it was something that we, you know, we, we were agreed on. But, uh, you know, we, it was a big upheaval because my my job teaching in the college came with a house. So we had to look for someone new to live. And then we've ended up where we are now and again just a real sense that god has sort of like almost put this in our lap and my my wife's parents uh, uh my, my wife's father died sadly in august but um her mother is um sorry my wife's father died in august and her mother is uh, 18 90 just 90 this weekend and we invited them to live with us so we could care for them too so that was another opportunity uh, that god gave us and so it's been just amazing sense of blessing when we hear the word and we respond to it and we step out and trust god then he he brings
0: fruit out of it as a as a gift. hmm I love that um, your mother in law has moved in with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, we, we moved in this
1: to this house in twenty thirteen. Okay. And they sold their house. Um Ray and Pam sold their house and they moved into us. We bought a house with a few few more bedrooms between the two of us so we live as a community we we've always believed it comes back to this community question mm-hmm. from revelation one verse three we maggie and i've always believed that god calls us to discipleship in community yes and we had lots of experiences of community and we turned our this household into a community over the covid lockdown we had nine of us in the house with uh, our wow. kids and with, with some students from church and with my parents-in-law so we we, we didn't we didn't feel the
0: isolation that many people felt because we'd we'd already committed to live in community together. That's awesome. Ian, thank you so much for doing the show. Always great to be with you, and I know my listeners love you, you, and I love you too. Thank you so much. Cheers. All right, Dr. Ian Paul has been my guest. You can learn more about him. Google Ian Paul, and it'll take you right to his website. That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow.